Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is Mila. Hi, Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 19, is Beauty and the Beast Part 2, If It's Not Baroque, which is a reference to Beauty and the Beast, the animated movie. That title is literally just for you, Mila. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. I mean, they made the reference, so I have to make a reference. That's true. The word is baroque, not broke. The synopsis for this episode is newly crowned Queen Katrina settles in as Camelot's first lady. As her true nature surfaces, Merlin must find a way to expose her. It's no surprise to you. And I don't think after last episode, it's a surprise to our listeners. I love this episode. It is easily one of my favorite Merlin episodes. It's hilarious to me. There's so many hilarious scenes. There's lots of very funny scenes. I actually want to recap something from the last episode. Yeah. I watched that that there's a on season two DVD of Merlin for everyone who doesn't own it. There's a little show where they show behind the scenes and they were talking about this episode. But this is actually referenced to last episode, which is why it's important to start with this. Colin Morgan said that she had to eat food where on the other side of the plates there were maggots. <gasps> so I thought about it. I thought about that. I'm like, maybe like the food that was really close to her didn't have it. But, the, but I didn't see anything. But I believe him. It's really hard to see. But when they pull in closer, yeah, I think they must have built a barrier of food. And one side of the plate was maggots and the other side wasn't. I don't know how she Still, handled No, no. I mean... To quote Colin Morgan, he did not envy her. And I'm like, yeah, no one does. Who would want to eat food that's on a plate? I don't care how far the maggots are. I don't want maggots in a room that I'm eating. It gives me chills. It's horrifying. What a trooper. Apparently, she never complained once ever shooting this thing. And some of the behind the scenes footage of her in that scene in this episode where they're all at the table and she's just eating and eating and like laughing, you know, she was just enjoying herself. And when they call cut, they all just laughed. I mean, they talk about a lot of things like about how, you know, it was bananas and chocolate. A lot of the stuff she was eating and Anthony had was feeling bad for her. And I'm like, is that bad? I guess I wouldn't want to eat it for days and days. That's the thing. I don't feel bad. It's not bad if you eat it once when you have to shoot a scene five, six times and you have to actually put it in your mouth and like eat it. It's a lot. Well, that's the danger of eating while you're acting. For anyone who doesn't know this out there. This is really gross. Well, Sonia is going to teach you right now about eating on the scene is really gross. Just listen. Well, there's two gross aspects. God forbid you eat something and you really eat it in one take. And let's say you had to do 30 takes for some reason. You're going to have to eat that thing 30 times for continuity. So some actors are really careful not to really eat that much in a scene. Because they're going to have to keep, if you take a huge bite, you're going to have to do that over and over again so the editors can pick the right take. But what happens is that to avoid having someone eat like 30 helpings of something, there's basically a spit bucket where you spit the food out that you've just put in your mouth when they call cut. You basically, for example, if it's a scene, there's a birthday party and you're eating cupcakes, you take a piece of the take a bite of the cupcake, you chew it. When they call cut, you go to the bucket and you spit it out. But there are takes that are so long where you're like swallowing food. So you got to be careful because you might eat a lot 
like disgusting amounts of food. Yes, there are people that actually feel bad, feel like sick because they ate so much of the thing that they were supposed to eat, especially sweets. Well, this is the thing with her in this scene is that there's no cut. She's eating bite after bite after bite. I thought about this and the whole time I'm like, I don't know how she does it. She was great. I mean, this whole, I can't get over, I'm just going to go for my favorite, okay? My favorite thing that happens in this whole episode, and it's probably time to tell you (laughs) that the guy playing Sir Leon, his name is Rupert Young. I actually found out through a commentary that he was just in there for the Night's Tale episode. Basically, everyone on the show called the producers individually and was like, he was great. We need to have him back. And they made an argument for him being like the go-to knight because there is none. That is amazing. Isn't that sweet? That is so cool. There's a scene with him and Gaius in this that is legitimately so funny to me where they approach Uther and try to talk some sense into him. And it's it's all three of them. It's Anthony Head doing this enchanted acting where he's smiling even when he's upset, which is such a brilliant decision to make. That is so good. That is so good. Where he's living and he's like, excuse me, with a big freaking smile on his face. Even when he's telling, well, we're going to get there. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this scene. Like, you can go for it. Even when he's telling, like, I'm going to cut your head off if you say something like that. Again, he's smiling. I'm like, this is creepy and funny at the same time. Richard Wilson and Rupert Young in this, the way that they try to navigate telling him. Because it starts with all the, you know, I'm afraid your wife, sire. And he keeps saying sire every at the end of every statement. But the part that gets me is like when they're trying to describe her, you know, they're trying to say like, well, because she's gray and there's the warts and the warts and Sir Leon says the smell. And, you know, she appears to have fangs and the way he interjects with, well, I wouldn't call them fangs. They're more like tusks. And the way Richard Wilson says, yes, they are rather more like tusks. <laughs> like just having this hyper rational, really sweet conversation, which is insane. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like the whole episode for me is this scene. I love it. That is not my favorite scene. <gasps> what? <laughs> I love that scene. That is not my favorite scene. Okay. Do you want to get into that? Or do you want to get into the episode? I will tell you my favorite scene when it comes because I will leave you waiting until it actually comes. Well, this episode is epic because it's all comedy. I mean, even in the worst moment, you never fear anything's going to happen. There's piles and piles of funny lines, brilliant acting, the delivery. It's almost like too much for us to cover everything because I would stop at every scene and be like, that line's delivered brilliantly. That line is delivered brilliantly. Like we're talking about her eating at the table with everyone. The way Rupert Young is doing the bad smell acting and also the the little bit of fear in his eyes. But Jonas is right next to him with no lines, just like scratching his jaw like a creature. I mean, people in the background are funny. Everything's funny. Everything's funny. A lot of people in the background are really funny in this episode. You see why I've been so excited to get here? Yes, I do. I mean, it's a given. It's just, it's so great. This all opens up with, kind of a recap and Jonas wondering what they're going to do about Merlin because that's where they left off. And Katrina has a plan. So she sets in motion this whole Merlin stole my seal from me, kind of overdramatic, like, oh, woe is me. I love that every time Arthur tries to sleep with her, she has another like, 
I just can't. Because she's revolted by him. Yes. This scene, I love the big evil laugh that suddenly stops when Uther comes in, in the very, very, very beginning. Yeah. I mean, she's still up to her brilliant tricks and hilarious, but it's a pretty good setup to get rid of Merlin. Yeah. Arthur really comes through. Did you see that coming? No, I actually didn't. Because he's consistently jailing people for his father that he shouldn't. Yes. He went exactly where he knew Merlin would be. He was leading the troops outside. And he like runs to his room and hides him away. Yes, and tells Merlin to just go. Which the thing is, when Merlin is talking to him at that time, he's like, Arthur seems to listen, right? Even though he's like, look, I don't want to hear it. And you don't have time to explain. You just have to go. When Merlin says, I'm not lying. Like, I'm telling you the truth. I can see in Arthur's face that he wants to believe Merlin. Same line from episode two. He questions whether Valiant could possibly be using a magical shield. The way he gets through to him is, I'm telling the truth. I'm guessing it's the same line. I can't say that for sure. But I think it's the same thing where he's like, I'm telling the truth with that sincere face of his. And Arthur knows. But he still doesn't do anything about it, right? <laughs> no, he's just like, go. Listen, he saved Merlin. He stepped up. No one even asked him to. Just all on his own. I will take it. I will take it as it is and move on from here. It's A plus Arthur right there. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, I know you probably are. Like, when has Merlin made something up? But at that point, when Arthur knows that when his father has sent all of the guards everywhere to get someone... There's no reasoning with him, even non-enchanted Uther. It's not because of de-enchantment. It's just a normal behavior. Overreacting is in Uther's wheelhouse. It's not like we haven't seen this behavior before. Arthur knows that the only chance to save Merlin is just tell him to go. It's like, you don't have time to explain anything or to convince me of anything. Just leave. He also tries to cover for Merlin when he confronts Katrina and Uther about why they haven't found him. Right. Which Katrina's plan starts to show itself a little. And then she explains she's planning to turn Uther against Arthur. That's the plot here. I love that in that part, in that part that there, Arthur is explaining why he doesn't have Merlin. He says, oh, he escaped. And Katrina goes, oh, outwitting your army in the process. I was here looking at the screen of my computer saying, it's like, it's not that hard. You haven't been here that long. But let me tell you, security here is not that good. Listen, you didn't have to ask guys for help to get into the castle last episode because you could have just walked in. No one was going to stop you. All right, lady? It was going to be okay. Merlin's constantly behind like some tapestry and the guards keep walking past him this whole episode. Here's what this episode has in spades. Not just comedy, like seven different kinds of Snoopy Merlin. All right, we're going to count all the kinds of Snoopy Merlin. <laughs> I wrote Snoopy Merlin so many times in my notes this time that I'm like, Oh my God, what is this? I wrote it so many times that I started writing what kind of Snoopy Merlin. I have different names for the Snoopy Merlins, okay? Yeah, so we get the plan and the search is continuing. I love this whole like Gaius is being super chill because he's hiding him in this bucket, which is not a bad hiding place because they, they put, you know, they didn't make him sit in grain. They put a sheet over him and then grain on top of that. Genius. Great hiding spot. We get our first Snoopy Merlin. So this is just regular Snoopy Merlin because he heads for Katrina's rooms and sees that she's taking a potion. Right. And he also hears their plan. Here's their plan. And we get to see how much she really 
is still suffering in this disguise. It's hell for her. Yeah, she hates it. Jonas has to remind her of why she's doing it. He's like, no, you have to keep the pretense. You have to stay like this for longer. Power. Which I love when he talks about power and wealth. Her head just like popping from under the table. There are dozens of brilliant choices made in this episode. So many. If I, if I were to sit here and just count each one of them, like you said, we would never end this episode. I'm going to mention a few of my favorite ones, but there are so many. Yeah, that's the thing. Like when people aren't even in the foreground and they're doing brilliant stuff, just watch the episode, everyone. You were here because you already saw it. Watch it closer. Watch the background. Watch everybody. Because <laughs> it's just too good. He snoops and the the plan starts to formulate where, you know, the taxes are going to be collected. They tell Arthur, you have to go collect taxes. People who don't pay are going to be arrested and publicly flogged. Don't worry. We'll beat you up in public if you don't pay your taxes. We get a lot of serious future King Arthur in this episode as well. Because he acknowledges most of our people are poor and they only survive on the crops they can grow. Yes. And just more Snoopy time with Merlin. But now it's Snoopy plan Merlin. Because he steals the potion and he goes to Gaius to make a replacement. To which Gaius says, I'm pretty sure I can do it. But also ends on a statement of it's going to be a long night. I'm like, hey, if anyone's keeping count, Merlin hasn't slept in a couple days. So don't keep him up. Yeah, you can just... Well, he doesn't know anything about potions. He can take a nap while you make the potion and then you wake him up and be like, hey, it's ready. I was wondering, like, do we think he let him sleep? I, I'm not sure. I think no, because when Merlin is sitting and he has to try the potions, which is another scene that is amazing, he looks pretty tired. He's just sitting there. I mean, he hasn't slept in months. <laughs> he brought this on himself. Remember, he wished this in the last episode. But, you know, while uh, Gaius makes up a potion, we get like a glimpse of sexy time Uther, which is, first of all, oh my God, he just says milady from behind the shadows. That, no, I'm like, you are so creepy and hilarious at the same time. I'm like, get out, get out of my room. This is an excellent scene, not just because, I mean, it's both of them, Anthony Head and uh, Sarah Parrish in this. He just puts on all the moves. He's playing smooth Uther, which like literally we've just never seen anything like this, right? No. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then she uses her apparently multi-purpose troll breath to knock him out, right? Well, yeah. If you can transform, if you can get fruit to rot, I bet that you could get a human to just pass out. The things she does, it's a very simple, she goes to leave the room. Oh my God. She In her posture, she farts. And like... <laughs> And then wafts it up. <laughs> and then analyzes it, which is like, she comes to the conclusion that's like, okay. <laughs> Satisfactory. I don't even know what to do with this show in this episode because it's just one hilarious thing after the other. I am so sad that she cannot just be in the series for longer because she's so good. Like, have her come back and, like, yeah. every once in a while, the troll's here. Yeah, she's excellent. And it took us 19 episodes to get here. But now you see why in episode one, and before I even pitched this to you as the one we were going to watch when we made our list of shows we could do. Yeah. It's like, it's really funny. And the things that I sit here and look and think are, was this scripted? Did she improvise it? I would love to know. 
Because if it was scripted, that's brilliant writing. If it was improvised, it's brilliant acting. Anyway, either way, it's brilliant. No matter who thought of it, it's brilliant. But it is fun to know who came up with that. Was that an actor's choice or was that, I'm going to say it was written only because the sound effect is so clear. So what I think is that the fart was scripted. The smelling the fart was not. That's that's because that's just so hilarious. And I would that's what I want it to be. I want the far to be scripted and I want her to have just come up with this brilliant move at the very end of the scene. When I thought of us doing a podcast talking about production and storytelling, the last thing I thought we would debate here is a fart scene. (laughs) Who thought up that the character should smell their own fart? If you haven't seen it, it sounds crazy. But when you see it, I just had to pause and write down some notes because I thought it was so funny. But then, yeah, Gaius makes this potion and it doesn't matter. It's a list of disgusting stuff. There's horse dung in it. So really, you shouldn't put it in your mouth. But he wants Merlin to try it. When he tries to explain to Merlin the toad paste, it's the interruptions in this that are so funny, right? It's not just the toad paste. The concept is funny. It's that he goes to explain well, you take two toads and you grind them up to, and he gets interrupted by Merlin being like, okay, I got it. Enough. Letting your imagination take it the rest of the way. Yes. I mean, there's some excellent, this tastes terrible acting happening. No, just the, the hesitation of even trying to put his finger inside of the little jar. And he goes and he comes back and he goes and he comes back and like finally he does it. And then there's the hesitation of putting his finger on his tongue so he can actually taste it. You're right. It's the hesitation that's funny, but it's not only that. On the opposite side of him is a Richard Wilson who has this amazing face of like, get on with it. Yes. And when you taste one, then you have to taste the other. Yeah. (laughs) Which is extra funny that he has to taste the second one too. So we get our next Snoopy Merlin. This is still Snoopy plan Merlin. Okay. Because he's avoiding guards. The terrible, terrible guards. I wrote this in my notes here. Why are they even here? Look, we talk, we've, been, we've been harping on this for a while. We need better guards. It's an urgent matter. I mean, in more serious matters, in town, Arthur is stopping the collection of taxes, right? And this is the big future king moment. Yes. And like he doesn't even realize Gwen is there to see it. Which makes it better. I was like, don't notice Gwen, right? I don't want him to see Gwen because then it would feel like he did it for Gwen. Right. You'd feel like he did it because she was looking. Right. To impress her. Right. It's important, the decision that he doesn't see Gwen is watching. I'm going to start calling this the nitpick of the episode. And believe it or not, the nitpick of this episode is not the guards. The nitpick of this episode is return them their taxes. How the hell do they know whose pouch is whose? You know what? I thought about this. Of course you did. We're the same. <laughs> First of all, because I thought that they were going to open the box and the money would be just loose inside the box. And I'm like, are you guys going to count? Did, did the people know? Like, do they remember how much money they gave you? Do you remember how much they gave you? Because you're going to have to give it back. But they were in pouches. And I'm like, oh, it's now it's just whatever. You're right, though. Should they be taking their pouches? They're poor people. How many leather pouches do these people have? Because that's what I thought when I saw a box and I'm like, oh, we're gonna they are gonna open we're gonna see a bunch of gold coins in there but no they were just the pouches so i was confused but i'm like now you're never gonna know whose pouch is who yeah like no that was my pouch no this is my pouch listen 
it's called the nitpick of the episode because it doesn't matter. But I'm not saying I didn't think about it. That is the problem with our brains. It's just we both get fixated on these minor details because we're not saying that the writers are bad for doing this. You sometimes you just got to go with stuff. Set deck has to go with the decision. Writers have to cut things out. Like you can't explain everything in the world at all times, right? No, definitely not. You also have to you also have to assume that people will suspend their disbelief, right? While watching a show like this and not do what we're doing right now. <laughs> I'm always willing to let it go, but I do think about it for a few seconds before I let it go. I do too. But then the next scene comes and I already let it go. Like it's not really a problem. Sure, I let it go right after I wrote it in my notebook. <laughs> but yeah, the, like he stands up for the people of Camelot and then goes to stand up to Uther about it and delivers some gold, right? And I mean, not gold like taxes, but gold lines of there is no Camelot without the people. And we're mu as much their servants as they are ours, which is true. I wrote that line down too. I mean, that's a good leader. You work for the people. You don't rule them. Without people, you, would be a, you wouldn't be a leader. You'd be a leader of nothing. If you, have, if you don't have any people, how are you going to make a kingdom? You don't have one. You're just you. Are you getting those Albion feels? I am. I know, right? Oh, King Arthur's here. Poor, dumb, enchanted Uther at this point, right? And then gets a back rub that just is from hell. Oh my god. Anthony Head's acting here is amazing. Amazing. Because he's obviously not feeling pain. That's obvious. But just the inflection that he delivers his words when he's feeling pain and when he's not. It's so brilliant. I love it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm happy that Uther is not dead yet. So I can see scenes like this. I saw some behind the scenes stuff before we started recording today from, again, episode two of this season. But it was all about Anthony Head. They were talking about him versus Uther, the character, how hard that is to play. And in a multifaceted way, one of the creators, I think Johnny Caps, was, was saying that They wanted him from the beginning. He was the first choice and that he's a really big Buffy fan and saying that he was starstruck when he met Anthony Head. That's amazing. It's amazing to me because if I had to pick the first show I was truly ever in love with, it was Buffy. Mine was Angel. So we're like pretty close there. We are. There was even an interview of Bradley James being like, I went up to him when we started working and said, you might want to stay away from me because I'm a closet Buffy fan. Yeah, everyone should revere his acting abilities. Obviously. As per last episode, I did the opposite of you. I started with Angel and then I went to see Buffy. It's a brilliant show and I just, uh, I can't say enough about how brilliant an actor Anthony Head is. And in this episode, he gets to, do, he gets to play so much. Yeah. He gets to do so much more than he usually does. So much because usually he is very stern and serious And sometimes, mostly that he plays is angry. Sometimes he plays very caring. Very sometimes, like when Morgana is in danger, when maybe he's talking to Arthur. But this one is just a whole other story. Well, that's a paternal caring. Here we get him in a vulnerable state. He wants somebody, like both sexually and emotionally, is in a vulnerable state. And on top of that, he's enchanted. So you're playing two things because he was already attracted to her before she enchanted him. 
So that was already there. And then you have to play that. You have to play the Enchanted on top of that. It's all brilliant. So good. You know what's also brilliant? Snoopy cupboard Merlin. Because Colin Morgan's too tall to hide in this cupboard for very long. Okay. It's a very small space. It is. But the plan is working. And she takes the wrong potion. Other things to notice here that Gwen goes to talk to Arthur and gets another Guinevere. She gives him his pep talk about how brilliant he is. And how kind his heart is. Never change. Not for anyone. That kind of stuff that, you know, we know that's going to appear once in a while. Oh, my God. This scene actually between Gwen and Arthur has some of the most beautiful backlighting. Well, I think that that was very intentional because the king, they're just portraying him as the king that he will be in the future. Also, they like a lot of soft backlighting when he and Gwen are around. Yes. (laughs) Or alone, I should say. It looks pretty. It looks so pretty. Whatever. Sir Leon is here to ruin the moment and bring him to court so that Uther is full on, right? This is one day. I mean, everything's just happening. Very fast. Things escalate really fast on this day. Uther disinherits him. Stop everything. I just want to discuss one thing. If Uther actually killed over dead tomorrow and Lady Katrina was queen, don't tell me that the people wouldn't side with Arthur and take the throne back regardless of what piece of paper Uther signed. I totally agree with that. There's no way that that wouldn't happen. People back then cared more about bloodlines than people do nowadays. Yeah. So someone could not even be from there, but if they had a rightful claim to the throne via blood and they showed up, people would be like, yep. I mean, Gaius even tries to help. Uh, he's your blood heir. Just a reminder. This is the start of the guys trying to point stuff out to Uther. Quick, quick reminder here, just so you know. Poor Arthur is so heartbroken and storms off. You know, there's a lot going on because Merlin runs in so excited that his plan is going well, like literal, just huge smile on his face. And it's like, oh, sorry, kid, everything went to shit while you were gone for like 20 minutes. Can't catch a break. Just can't catch a break. Talk about escalating. We like we're already at the ceremony, right? We're crowning her. This episode is a mile a minute. It is so fast, so fast. She has an idea. It is in Uther's head is being executed like five minutes later. You don't ever question it, though, because he's enchanted. Like he says yes, and he just shouts at everyone to get in the... Right. So is this your favorite scene? Because I know you were waiting for this from... No. Oh, I thought about you because you were waiting for it from the previews when she grabs the crown because she's getting real testy with Jeffrey of Monmouth. And she's like, just get on with it. And this is the first time Arthur really notices what's wrong with Uther because Uther believes in all this do it the right way, traditions, laws, and... What does he say? Like, she does have a point. Like, get on with it. Yes, she does have a point. Get on with it. And Arthur gets that strange, huh, face? Yeah, excuse me. You are the person who likes to have everything in order. And now it's just out the window, out of nowhere. Yeah. And this scene also has Snoopy waiting in the wings, Merlin. Yep. And watching his plan come to fruition. Although all the looks are going around, right? Like, we're getting a lot of looks served. Everyone's just looking around at the queen's strange behavior. Because it is strange. Her voice is already changing. She can't hold it in anymore. I mean, she grabs the crown and something spectacular happens. They cue my favorite Merlin music, which is that jaunty little tune. You know the one. Yes. And she runs for it. The comedy gets so out of hand, and I mean in a good way, 
from here on in because this becomes like I want to liken it to a Benny Hill chase scene where everyone's running down a hallway after each other. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what that is, you're too young. Even I'm too young for that reference. It's okay. Merlin pulls a great move where he locks the door on her in the in the court. That is a great move. I really did not think that she was going to be revealed at the vi- I thought that she was going to escape this one last time and figure something out. But no, I was like, oh my God, people are actually going to see her. After we recorded, I told you what's great about the next episode is that there's a lot of decisions you don't expect. Because you could never expect that they're going to reveal her and then Uther's just going to be full out living with a troll and everyone's like, what the hell? I did really, 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 truly did not expect that. I think it's amazing and I think that it's comedy gold, obviously, but... Yeah, I really wasn't expecting it. It's a really bold decision and goes against most of their formula because usually it's the end of the... I mean, any formula. It's like Scooby-Doo. You don't unmask them in the middle of the episode. Right. And then hang out with them for a couple days. It's quite the decision they make here because everyone's there. Like, all the right people ran after her, right? It's not a disbelief thing. That's like, I love it. I love that, like, Morgana's here... Arthur's here, Uther's here. (laughs) I love that everyone is there. I'm like, oh my God, everyone is going to see this at the same time. This is the best thing ever. It's so fun. Also because she, the way she's fumbling with the door and Arthur tries to help her. Like after everything, Arthur's still being like, let me get that. (laughs) And I swear, I don't know. It looks to me like that door almost crushed Morgana. Oh, because yeah, Sarah Parrish, uh, there's so many things happening. When she fully transforms, Her fluster acting here is insanely funny. It would almost be too far if it wasn't for the fact that she's playing a troll. Also, you said this the last episode and I want to mention again. It is so hard to act inside of all of that makeup and padding. Yeah, you kind of have to over move your face. Yes. Yeah. You really have to try to get movement out of that stuff. Wow. It's incredible. But she fully transforms. There's, you're a troll. I mean, I feel like Merlin said that three times already. I just, I don't understand why you're shocked. <laughs> I thought the same thing. By the way, he only knows what to call her because of Merlin. I don't believe for a second he could identify what a troll was. I agree. It's like, oh, you're a troll. Um, duh. Anthony Head is still just giving us like lovely enchanted face, which in itself is just funny. But everything that's happening, the shock on Morgana's face, she rips the door off the hinge. And that's what exactly the line is. He's like, she ripped the door off the hinges. Well, they're really strong. And the fact that Arthur's still trying to explain to his dad, like, you can't see that she's a troll. And there's like, no. He's offended for her. He's like picking up her shoes. But it's the first time we get a really funny Morgana moment. Because this is, again, the interruption is funny. She's a giant gray. And she goes, stinking. Oh my God, he's so great. And Anthony Head just gives us hurt feelings. He picks up her shoes. He's just like so sad. Picks up the shoes and the crown and like goes in. It's like actually super sweet. (laughs) So sweet, so sweet, but so hilarious at the same time. I mean, we also get some, oh God, but this is like the troll sex scene where there's a point where he's touching her face. And I don't know if you noticed that when he pulls the glove. Oh, the slobber. Slobber is on his glove. Which is actually hilarious to me because he was doing the commentary when Gwen and Arthur first kissed and he commented on a, it was a good screen kiss. 
especially because there's no saliva string. He's like, you can't have those in movies. It doesn't look good. And I thought about it during this scene because I was like, ew, saliva string from like her gooey troll makeup. It's just amazing. I have that, like the the string, I have it in my notes because I'm like, I have to remember this. It's too good. It worked perfectly. I don't even know if that's on purpose. I don't think it was on purpose. It just was perfect. Also, when when he tells her like, oh, how can somebody just like offend such beauty like this or like look at you and don't see such beauty and she goes search me i washed my face and everything (laughs) (laughs) i mean she's kind of surprised she didn't know the enchantment was so strong that he would be able to yeah that it would hold through this it obviously like even covers up the smell for him still because he's able to be around her and it's just fragrant oh my god and the one thing that I was really happy to hear is that if she finally said a line that I'm like, this is an appropriate line for this episode, which is, well, beauty is, is in the eye of the beholder, mm. which I'm like, this is such a classic line and a, such a classic say that is perfect for this episode. Is that in Beauty and the Beast? That's a good question. I know Beauty and the Beast's line better in Portuguese than in English. <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually love... Beauty and the Beast, because, you know, I'm not the biggest Disney person, but I love that movie. I just haven't seen it a trillion times like other stuff. I've seen it a trillion times, not in English a trillion times, though. I know all the songs in Portuguese and English, but specific lines, I know them mostly in Portuguese. Well, because for non-bilingual people, by the way, things like that, sayings like that don't translate perfectly. You can't just translate a saying word for word. It doesn't Mm -mm. work. Anyway. This is when my favorite scene happens. Yes, it is. We've already talked about it. I'm not even going to go on about it even more. It's just Richard Wilson and Rupert Young in this scene kill me. I agree with everything that you're saying. Yes, they are rather more like tusks. (laughs) It's so civilized, the speech of it. It's like, because usually they write very modern and they made the speech a little more flowery, old. Yep. Uh, This is when you get the treason and beheaded smile. Anyone who talks about the queen again. Just his face is like stuck like that. It never moves. And he just like, it's not even a great smile. It's just like a little smile. It's always there all the time. It's literally the word enchanted in a facial expression. Yes. Because he is like kind of glassy eyed and staring off. And, you know, Gaius is so desperate. This is how desperate Gaius is. He's sending Merlin back to the dragon. At this point, Merlin and I are on the same page. Merlin does not want to do this. It's finally the time where Merlin's like, no, I don't want to. And after this, there's a very short scene of them, of Katrina and Uther eating dinner. The one that she's stuck, her hips are stuck to the chair. He's like, are you okay? She's like, no, I'm not okay. She wants to sit on a pile of dung. What the hell? What's wrong with you? She tries to like get up several times and like take the chair out and she's always stuck. Her hips are like bulging out of the chair from under the arm. It is so good. Merlin does give in and go to the dragon. And I will say, I don't want to go to the dragon, but this is my favorite dragon scene, possibly of all of Merlin. Because this is my favorite scene ever. I I went back, I think and I watched it five times. And I laugh. <laughs> John Hurt laughing like that because it's still very serious that John Hurt voice it's the sound of it that makes it serious right (laughs) oh my face hurts and Merlin is just there looking at the dragon while the dragon is like waving his neck and just laughing and then he asks was it very public 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, how, how public was his humiliation? Comedy gold here. Just the annoyed face that we get from, again, acting to a ping pong ball or something. Just It is so good. I'm like, can you please just always do this? It's great. How often am I like just so happy we went to the dragon? Never. This is this is an important moment in our lives here in this podcast. Sona is happy about the dragon. I'm not even mad at him because it's objectively funny that's happened to Uther. I mean, I do. I, I also feel the sadness for Uther because we've talked about this. It's the only time he's been truly vulnerable. Yes. And this is what happened to him. This is one of those moments where you're like, is Uther wrong to hate magic? I mean, everything involving magic in his life is just awful. No, he's not wrong. He's really not wrong. Like, he's not wrong to hate it. He's wrong for his reaction to it and using his power to kill people. But his distaste and and disdain for it is not actually misplaced. No, it's very justified. If you watch the show, you're going to know why he hates magic. I mean, proof's in the pudding. Every magical creature or person that comes through his path is a horrible human being except for Merlin. And he doesn't know that. Right. The only good people with magic say nothing. So they keep perpetuating this magic is evil. Let's not get into this because it's a funny episode and let's just go with it. Right, right. So I love the, he has to cry tears of true remorse. It's a brilliant, first of all, it's a brilliant premise because it sets up a non-magical solution. Yeah. So it's really easy to rope Arthur in. It's hilarious because everyone gets to have their reaction of like, yeah, that's not going to be easy. Yes. Also, that was another turn that I didn't expect. I for sure thought they were going to find out that the necklace was part of the game and we're going to try to break it. That was my, I was like, oh, I know how this is going to end. They're going to have to break the necklace because the spell is in the necklace. It's fairly obvious if you've seen other, if you've seen Little Mermaid, you know what I'm talking about. Disney reference. It's not a crazy reference because they literally named this episode Beauty and the Beast. Disney reference. But that's what I thought. And then it didn't. It was something else completely. And I thought, this is so smart because it's a solution that I hadn't thought that they could have any works. I think I want to say thank you to the writer of this episode because it is truly surprising. It's not just funny. The decisions from a writing standpoint are interesting. Yes. That's part of what makes it funny. And yeah, it's very fast. Things are happening at hyperspeed. Oh my God, so fast. It would have not felt this funny to have her stay disguised the whole time, I don't think. No, no. The whole thing of her being a troll and still living with Uther for a few days is the most hilarious part of this episode. His name is Ben Vanstone. Thank you, Ben. Well done. Someone get Ben to come on our podcast so we can just shower Ben with compliments about how amazing the writing of this episode is messages yeah someone's gotta be friends with him right (laughs) six degrees of something look so back at court this is where she's having just a ball stuffing her face and you know they want more taxes sir leon tries his best to stand up for the people of camelot poor thing are you a sir leon fan yet i am i do like him i like that he participates in this episode a lot yes i like him he's very likable he talks sense Yep. He tries his best. He's putting up with impossible people most of the time. Again, poor thing. I know. He's a great addition to the cast. The best thing you can say about a regular cast when they add characters in is that it's seamless. It just felt like, oh yeah, now we're getting to know the castle more. Because they didn't make a big deal about intru- introducing like with like a banner being like, this is this character. You know what I mean? 
it was just there and they mentioned his name. So then the next episode that he comes, you recognize his face and his name. And then it just goes on. Yeah. And I think it was a great season two realization of like, oh, we need a regular night. One of them should stand out enough for us to know his name. Yes. Other than when they go off to die in a scene. <laughs> Every night that they've named has collapsed dead in that episode. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not. You're really not. Okay, they wear red capes. Go with me here. They're like the red shirts of Star Trek. They're just the red capes where they just go off to die. Mostly nameless. Sad. I'm really proud of myself for making that connection, if you can't tell. Also, it's a Disney reference because now Star Wars is Disney. No, it's a Star Trek reference. Oh, Star Trek. I thought they said Star Wars. I hope I didn't. I would have to delete the entire thing. <laughs> because I would not be proud of that. I might keep this in, though. So, guys, has a plan this time. More plans. See, there's, like, extra plans. There's a lot of stuff. There's so many moving parts in this episode, and they fit it in 42 minutes. It's insane. It's so much. Gaius's plan is Romeo and Juliet. Gaius's <laughs> plan is amazing. And this is my second favorite scene. Is it explaining to Arthur? No. <laughs> what the potion does? No? It's before. It's Merlin under his bed. <gasps> oh. Calling Arthur's name just like the dragon calls Merlin's name. He goes, Arthur. Arthur. <laughs> And it's the, I, all that I can hear is the dragon saying Merlin. I didn't even connect those two, but it does actually kill me because Arthur is so dense in this scene. I'll give it to him that he was sleepy and maybe he's too tired to get what Merlin is saying. He's like, I've been here the whole time. He's like, you've been under my bed this whole time. And the confused face that Colin gives in this scene. After calling Arthur, just like the dragon calls him. He Arthur gets a sword and he goes, who's there? And then it's just a body sliding from under the ta- under the bed saying, it's Merlin. Like a mechanic coming out from under the bed. He's like, it's me. Yes. I can't handle it. Oh, what I can't handle is when he's like, you've been here the whole time, like under my bed. And <laughs> the face he gets in return of like, are you that stupid? No. Why would I want to be under your bed for like four days? I mean, granted, it's only been like 24 hours, I think. Maybe 36 hours. We don't know, really know. But yeah, not that long. Look, whatever. Hilarious. You're right. It's so funny. Oh, God. This scene is so good. It's so good. It continues with a trend that we've seen recently from Merlin. He gets warned because he says, if you say I told you so, and he says, I wouldn't. But I like this trend. We could keep doing this scene over and over. It would still be funny to me. Yes. But the next thing that happens is the explanation. No, Merlin's busy tidying up. He's so busy in the background of that scene. It's a lot of interesting decisions that either the director or Colin made here, which I love. Just clean the room because you haven't been working enough the last two days. Clean the room. And I feel like it was also to distract, to like give a sense of normalcy of like, you're going to die, but like everything's normal. See, I'm like doing my regular chores here in the room. See me? Nothing. There's nothing to see here. You don't need any more information. Everything's good. Yeah, just trying to play it down, act normal. And normal to him is doing chores. And he's just like, yeah, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. It's not that important. I love the setup because I also don't think that when, before I'd seen it already, that I'm expecting that line to mean something later, like just one drop. I didn't think that that had anything to do with what was going to happen later. It's great. 
Because, of course, the antidote breaks. It's a beautiful bottle, by the way. I have to point that out. I was shocked. I, I literally was like, oh, this, this is the noise that I made when it broke. I'm like, oh, my God, no. I also love when guys is talking, they're explaining the, the potion. And he goes, the poison uh, potion. <laughs> it is poison. <laughs> when you drink the poison uh, potion, there's an antidote. So it's a poison. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you, Ben, for writing this episode and these genius lines. I mean, this show, am I wrong? This show should do more of the comedy. They should lean into this. Yes. They should have leaned in to more of this. Just sprinkle it in in other episodes. Sprinkle it in is a good advice. It doesn't have to be everyone. Just like one per season, I'm going to be happy. Of these episodes. One per season. Yes. I'm good with like one of these lines every once in a while also in the other oh, yes. serious yes. episodes. Which they do do. I mean, there are. we always talk about how funny the interactions are. But that is seriously funny. Yes, the bottle breaks and it's the neckerchief to the rescue. All right. Imagine if he didn't wear that every day of his life. Arthur would be dead, everyone. Exactly. Anthony Head in this scene. Him just coming out of the enchantment is great. Yeah. Playing the reality of that is really difficult, especially because we've been in this really campy, fun episode the whole time. And it's a really sad moment for him. And it also gets broken up by this line from her of like, oh, how I've suffered. It's too good. And here Merlin finally manages to deliver the single drop of the antidote by squeezing his neckerchief. It's beautiful. Just It touches his lips and it's, mag it's magic, right? It is magic. It's a very magical episode all the way through. It's a very Disney episode. They were right to name it this way. It is. It is. Because we also now get the campy fight, the hilarious, buffoonery, clumsy fight scene that's so brilliantly choreographed. Yeah. A lot of, like, headbutts, headbutting everyone, just, like, knocking people out. I brought this up once, and now I'm going to really start to count. Arthur gets thrown across the room. What's the concussion count on Merlin and Arthur here? Because I'm starting to get worried. You know, you can only have so many concussions in a lifetime before you have permanent technical brain damage in the sense of brain damage that if you just lightly knock your head, you'll have a concussion because the membrane's not strong enough anymore. I've had one. It's awful. That's terrifying. I've never had a concussion. Did you know that a concussion is the inside, the, your brain hitting the inside of your skull? Yes. Your brain is usually like floating inside your skull. That's what it's supposed to do. There's liquid, there's main brain, you know. And then when you hit your head too hard, your brain moves a lot. By the way, I didn't even hit my head. I fell straight on my tush. And the shock wave up my back from landing so hard shook my brain in my head. Wow. And then I lost consciousness. And I have about three minutes of memory missing. That's terrifying. Well, back to the comedy. Stirring us back to this episode. Yeah. Arthur's concussed, but comes to again and, you know, wins the fight, kills her, ends in a big old troll fart. Kills Jonas and then kills her. Kills both of them. That's true. Arthur, Arthur actually did it this time. He did it. He came through. Good job. Kill the bad guys. Both. By himself. Good job, Arthur. Well, 
Of course, any good Merlin episode and good game of Merlin bingo ends with a family dinner, usually with father and son team Gaius and Merlin, but I love this scene. First of all, you get your favorite, which is the eating across a giant table. Love it. I love it. It's my dream. Very far away from the person that I'm dining with. <laughs> You're like, I want to have dinner with you as far as possible. It's a good time for that, actually. It is. Social distancing dining being practiced since the medieval times. Yeah, we just all need a really like a 16 foot table in our house and one dinner guest. But the dinner, I mean, the music is there, you know, that like jaunty fun music is in the background a little bit. Yeah. And Arthur is just giving him the like, I don't want to know. He's trying to apologize. Just laughing. Uther is thanking him for defending Camelot. He's like, this is the problem. Magic got to the heart of Camelot again. And he's like, no, to you, to your heart. Camelot has nothing to do with this. It was your fault alone. The, the dynamic in this scene is very funny because this is not how we're used to seeing them. And it's almost like the first time we've seen Arthur have, except for that little playful moment of like him making fun of Uther's footwork during the fight. Again, we're, we're not used to seeing Arthur kind of have the upper hand on Uther. Very endearing. It is. But what happens next is a very well-known Merlin scene in the, in the realms of the meme world. I love it. My third favorite scene of this episode. It's funny because I love, I love the troll scenes, but none of them hit me that hot. Like my favorite scenes are still with just people that we knew from before. That's how you know the show is written well, though, because these are the people you know. This is why you turn up because you want to hang out with these people. That's how I describe TV. I'm like, well, if I keep tuning in, it's because like, I found a group of people that are fictional that I'm like, yeah, they'd be cool to hang out with for the hour, right? Like, it's what you're essentially doing is just joining their story for a little bit. Yeah. Of course, this is one of your favorite scenes because it's, it's a physical comedy in a way. Because not only are they having their awkward conversation, but they, they go in for the hug, right? Or Merlin goes in for the hug, gets the reaction. I thought that Arthur was going for a hug. I really thought that they were going to hug. And I'm like, you just ruined everything, Arthur. Would he be Arthur if he didn't end the episode by ruining all of his hard work? Obviously not. But it's even amazing how they pan out and they're frozen there. And he's just staring at Merlin. Like semi takes his hand off. He's like, nope, nope, not going for a hug. I love also... Uh, when Arthur is like, I didn't believe you, but that's your fault. You've got a suspicious look about you. Shifty. Like you have something to hide. The shifty is great. Beautiful, beautiful word choice there. Uh, this whole scene is great. This is my third favorite scene, but the dragon really made this episode for me. I was like, I will go back and watch this scene of him laughing anytime. There's a lot of just, um, it's hard with this episode. It is. You don't get two minutes of this episode that you don't laugh. It's all of the choices were right by all of the actors. The writing is amazing. The makeup is amazing. The pace is very fast. So you're always interested and you have to follow everyone around very fast. I loved it. Because it's quite a big episode. It's got a ton of scenes. It's a ton of sets. And scenes with a bunch of people in it. 
scenes inside, scenes outside. There's all of kinds of different locations that they filmed this episode. And it's such a fast episode. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I mean, from a production standpoint, you've got tons of extras, tons of little scenes. Between the makeup and just pulling off the time to film all of this, because it's the Great Hall. You have to set deck everything every time. Like, the Great Hall doesn't look like that unless they're filming it. Right. I hate to break it to you guys. <laughs> that room is empty if they're not filming in there. And you're totally right. Some of the scenes are very, very short. And the problem with short scenes is that it takes so long to set up everything. It takes more time than you would think to film very small scenes, very short ones. Yeah, because you still have to set it up. Whether you're filming 30 minutes in this of this episode here or you're filming 30 seconds, it has to have full set deck, full props. And it is. It's dressing all the extras. I mean, the crown, the crowning scene is huge. Yes. They used a lot of different rooms. They redressed. I mean, I'm starting to be able to recognize because they've said in commentaries how the court, the room where they hold court, where his throne is, gets used a lot and redressed. It's the library that Jeffrey and Monmouth <gasps> works in. Is he really? That is amazing. Wow. 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 That's wild. Yeah, but I'm starting to be able to recognize it sometimes. And I'm like, God, like that's that's a lot of work. So much work. The only thing I can compare to watching set deck people work on a professional big show, it's like a NASCAR team, right? Or an F1 team. It's the car racing where the car pulls up and they're just, they all know their jobs so well. And I mean, I've come into sets one day, seen an entire room, like someone lives in there. Come back the next morning. It's a restaurant. I'm just like, how? I'm always amazed by what set deck can do. There's permanent sets and swing sets. Swing sets are up for a day or two because they're just redecorating the rooms, the swing sets, to be different places. They're going to have a bedroom this one episode. The set's going to be up for a couple of days. And then a couple of days later, it's going to be something else that they need it to be. And that's why the set deck has to be good and fast and precise. But permanent sets, I mean... Those can be spectacular because the details get really crazy because it's always there and you don't have to keep taking things in and out. Yeah, so and usually for permanent sets, a few examples they have is just sitcoms. They're just there as the same set always. So you can see a lot of detail on, for example, like Friends or The Big Bang Theory or Seinfeld or The Office, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, any of those. You can see a lot of detail because people were there for basically all of the seasons of that those series. The same set. It's amazing. We love it. Next week on Merlin. Oh my God. I can't talk about it. It makes me nervous. What is going on? Who is this guy that's coming? He's from Game of Thrones. I forget his name. Don't remember anybody's name from Game of Thrones. Sorry, everyone. Um, Actor you're talking about is Charles Dance. Yes. Which is an awesome last yes. name. Yes. Yes. Um, it's spooky and it's scary and it's the opposite of this episode <laughs> but like does he know that Merlin has magic he's gonna be burned alive what is going on he, I'm just gonna tell you he's a witch finder cause that's what exactly they said that and I saw somebody throwing water at Gaius's face I'm like do not do that I don't like you whoever you are 
I saw that and I was like, Mila is going to be really upset. I am mad. I am upset already. Anyway, now I need to watch this next episode because I'm really nervous and it gives me anxiety. It's not like this episode. No, it isn't. It's been lovely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys.